try and explain to you this morning um, how um, Diane Knight ended up in going to Brighton to go to the Holy Trinity Brompton um, Leadership Conference that was held um, in London. So we ended up in Brighton um, on Monday and on Tuesday of this week. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I think back when I used to do uh, CPD um, as a teacher and I was caught off guard because sometimes as a teacher, I used to think to myself, do you know what, I'm going to go to this conference or this CPD, I'm going to learn one thing, I'm going to come back and put it into practice. Now, that's a confession as a teacher. But um, I want to share with you now that as a result of going away um, last weekend, um, it has impacted on my life enormously. Um, and I want to say thank you uh, for you for sending me um, away last week. And I want to share from the heart this morning, because um, when we look at Nehemiah 9, it's all about amazing grace. It's all about amazing grace. It's all about a worshipping people, but also a confession people. And I want to encourage us as a church to be both those things. To be found in a place of worship, but also to be a, a place of confessing our sins to God. And I want to ask you a question. As I sat last week listening to all these different speakers um, talking about their thoughts and their visions and their passions for their churches and for the church globally, when do you learn the most? When do you learn the most? Do you need to go away on a conference? Do you need to sit still? Or do you need to be found in that place of worship? And... The title for today is Amazing Grace. I'm going to confess to you this morning that that is the best hymn for me. I have just found that hymn time and time again touches me. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I am found. Sometimes we think we are miles away from God, but we are just one step away, or just one decision away from reaching out to God. And sometimes it's through our praises. Maybe it's through reading a book. Or maybe it's talking to someone and someone says something to you. They maybe read the Bible out to you, to encourage you. But this morning, I want us to try and actually enlarge our vision of God. Now, Nicky Gumbel, um, on Monday morning, said, well, I've got ten values for our church. And then he then said to someone, I said, well, do you think I should share these 10 values with the church? And someone said, no, don't even go there, Nicky. Just share five of them. So he thought, well, he'd cut down the 10 to five values for HTB. And I thought to myself, well, I've actually got 10 ideas and 10 thoughts, okay, about uh, Nehemiah 9. Do you want to hear all 10 this morning? That's a good question. That's a very good question. So from that you're going, well, no, hang on a minute. I just, I just can't go there. Okay. Well, maybe five. Well, let me, let me read you the, like, a few of them. In Nehemiah 9, it talks about God's promises. It talks about God's love. It talks about his unfolding will for God's people. It demonstrates God's mercy, generosity, patience, and faithfulness. And you could just say to me, well, Ian, I've been listening very very smartly there, and that's only seven. Well, I did that deliberately, because I'm going to just choose three. And it comes from God's word. So we've discovered, if you look at the passage in front of you, you've got a Bible, we find out that God's people have gone back to Jerusalem, 
and they are praising God and they are confessing to God. And so here we find God reveals his nature. And I don't know about you, but I want to encourage you this morning. We have an everlasting God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. We have a God of infinity. We have the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we can come to him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. John 14 verses 1 to 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And in 2 Corinthians 14 verses 17 and 18 it says, For our light, our light, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So it says here, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have an everlasting God from everlasting to everlasting and eternal God. That's the first point. The second point is that God proclaims his uniqueness. And by that it says in verse 6, it says, saying, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Lord. This morning there is only one God that I believe in as a Christian. And that is Yahweh. This eternal, loving Father God. There is only one God and only one name who I trust, and that is Jesus Christ, my Lord. Towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. What a promise that we have today in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. We have a God who is unique. Thirdly, we have a God who displays his power, his power. We've been thinking about worship this morning, the beautiful name of our Father in heaven. And we've also thought about creation. I think Diane mentioned, or someone mentioned in the church today, about the creation that, I think it was Lynn, I think, in her prayer, about living in a beautiful place like this. We have a God, the creator, who in the beginning... In the beginning, God created something out of nothing. Something out of nothing. Here's a challenge for you. I don't think you can do this, but can you create something out of nothing? Absolutely nothing? Message on a postcard or email me, I don't know. But let me know. Can you actually create something from nothing? I believe there's only one person who can do that, and that's God, and he's done it through his creation in the beginning, ex nihilo, he created something from nothing. And that is what makes trusting in God unique, because he is the creator God. He created this world for us to enjoy, to praise him in, and also to confess him as Lord. One of the seminars that um, I went to, um, and it's a challenge, I think, for us here at NBC, and it's, a, and it's a challenge for all UK and worldwide churches. And that is looking at global trends. I want to just go out for a moment to ask you to think about what's going on in the world. And we were uh, listening to some panel of people 
talking about five challenges that the churches face, and they are these. And I want to just share them with you this morning because people are talking about them, and it's real. So one of the first challenges is our radical connectivity and mobile phone use. Some people are saying that we are now the biggest generation for looking down. That's it. We're now looking down. And this speaker said to us, well, we should be the generation that are looking up and looking out for one another. That's a thought. Are we the biggest generation of the radical connectivity? A world of competing visions, people wanting our attention, whether it's the media or whether it's magazines or whether it's our friends or whoever it might be. Also, there was an idea put forward that a a trend is a a faltering secular revival. So in other words, Christianity and even some religions are being, as we heard today, persecuted for their faith, but now becoming the minority Another trend that's going on, global trends, is a deeper hunger for a better world. I don't know about you, but four or five weeks ago, weren't there some protests in London for a better world? What's going on? What is threatening the church? What can we do to help our world? Also, there's the fifth one, which is a greater disillusionment. Some people are saying that there's more chaos today than there's ever been. But I'd like to challenge us and think about having done some New Testament studies, and that is that it's probably just still the same. We're still chaotic. We still don't know what we're doing. But are we fearful? And I want to encourage you today that we must never, ever be fearful. Even though we think that things are chaotic outside the church... We must trust in Christ and God alone. Because he is our saviour. He has called us to be radical. He's called us to trust him. And someone wrote out an equation on the board, and I quite like this. It was chaos plus spirit equals new creation. I'll say it again. Chaos plus spirit equals a new creation. That's what we are praying for that the Holy Spirit would come afresh on people, that people will hear the good news of Christ. And that is my hope, and I hope your hope too, that we can walk the walk and talk the talk so that we can say, Jesus Christ is the answer today for you and for me. Because Jesus Christ brings me out of all this chaos Because when I sang Amazing Grace all those years ago, how sweet the sound, I once was lost, but now I am found. Where is my security? It is in in Christ alone. And I want to encourage you this morning to enlarge your vision. You can go and read on through Nehemiah 9 and look through for yourself those things that I've mentioned to you about God's mercy, about his love. But above all, may we remember this morning those three things that he is unique that he is an everlasting God and that he is a God who has created things for us to enjoy what a wonderful God that we have because at the end of the service today we're going to be singing amazing grace and wouldn't it just be lovely today that if one person 
in amidst the worship of God, who is amazing, we're able to confess their sins and come to Christ, to see his amazing grace, to see what he has done for each and every person here today, that on the cross he came to set us free, to bring us into this new relationship with God through, through Jesus Christ our Lord, because he is our rock in whom we trust. Amen. We're going to stand to sing um, in a moment um, a song called All My Days. Beautiful.